You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and I am a holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach. It really is a nice feeling when something we do or say makes other people happy. But when our own happiness becomes contingent upon making others happy. When we seek validation through the eyes of others, we can begin to lose our own essence and true happiness can elude us. People pleasing can be a habit that's been ingrained for many years, entangling what is truly best for our own selves with the unending need to please others. But there is a way back, a way to align our happiness with our needs, to move from a people pleaser to a soul pleaser. Our guest today is Tracy Seacom. In 2016, after years of burnout, when Tracy's beloved mother passed away, she was reminded of the importance of making time for herself and her family and consolidated from running three businesses to launching Soul Pleaser. Her mission is to help people know that they are enough without the need for approval from others so that they can be who they are here to be and make the difference they are here to make. She does this through her online programs, coaching, retreats, books, and public speaking. I really identified with a lot of the things that were spoken about today by Tracy. It did cause me to step back a bit and re-examine a few things. We talk about um, what distinguishes habitual people pleasers from soul pleasers. One of the things that challenged me was, is is it wrong to be a people pleaser? And it isn't wrong in some spaces, but to be, again, this habitual people pleaser can really raise um, the red flags when it comes to our own, not just mental health, but physical health as well. And we also talk about what are the first steps to becoming a soul pleaser and identifying that you need to take these steps. It's a great, great conversation with Tracy. I really did enjoy it. Um, you know, if you if you find yourself aligned just with the introduction to this show, I think you should stick around because it is enlightening, very enlightening. So please do stay with us. We will be back in just a few minutes to speak with Tracy. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Tracy, welcome to the show. We're so happy that you can join us. Thanks, Kathy. Great to be here. 
I have so many different things flying around in my head when it comes to people pleasing. And probably the first one is that why is it so bad? But let's put that on the back burner for a second, because I want everyone to get a sense of how you got to this place, where you came from, how you turned into um, a woman who's helping people to search for their souls of a better life. Um, how, How did this all come about for you? Well, I was a very high achiever, so a good girl, and um, I really got my, I guess, sense of self from working really hard and trying really hard and always trying to be the best I could be. Not really competitive with other people, just competitive with myself. And fast forward to my mid-40s where I'm running three businesses, I have three children, And my mum is diagnosed with breast cancer. And she was the ultimate people pleaser. She not only took care of her family and, you know, her extended family, but any person who needed help, she was there for them. So she people pleased the entire, you know, community. And I, when she passed away, I realised that she had sort of driven herself into the ground because It was beautiful that she helped everyone. And in fact, we all had her up on a pedestal for that. Um, However, it was to the detriment of her own well-being. And I suddenly realised that I was doing exactly the same thing. And I was completely burnt out, probably had been for years, but totally unaware of it in some ways because I was so desperate to keep everybody around me happy. Um, So that was sort of my breakdown, breakthrough turning point where I realised I needed to change, otherwise I was headed down the same track as my mum. And I realised that perhaps I wasn't the only one. So I sold up my businesses and started helping other people to give up people-pleasing. Did you have a mentor or were you, it was just a self-taught realisation? It was self-taught, but I did read books. And so one of the first books that I picked up Um, after my mum died was by Rebecca Campbell and it's called Light is the New Black. And I sat down in the sunshine and this was so out of character for me because it was the middle of the day and it was the middle of the week and I wasn't working. And I sat down in this cafe um, out in the sunshine and I opened the first page and I read this quote by the Dalai Lama and it said, the Western woman will save the world. And I burst into tears and Mm felt like it was part of a message to me that I was going to be one of many who would, through our own experiences, be able to help other people to wake up and see that there's more to life than just working hard and and getting the things and achieving things. Is uh, so many ways to go about this. Is people-pleasing not something that, you know, we're almost as 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 children told to, you know, smile when you see someone hold the door. Um, we're we're rewarded, are we not? When we're people pleasing, is it not something that is a type of altruism? Yeah, I think there are so many good things about people pleasing, and I think our true essence naturally is to uplift others, and we want for others what we want for ourselves. So all of that is true. the The side of people pleasing that is not good for us is when we need other people to be pleased. The big difference is between liking other people to be happy and needing them to be happy for your own happiness. That's when it's a slippery slope because 
if then somebody else isn't happy, you somehow feel responsible for that and you can't be happy unless they are and you can't control that. So people-pleasing is very different to just the natural way that we want to be polite and helpful. Is there a root cause to this? It almost sounds like the the people-pleasing that you are talking about is a selfish, self-motivational, self-rewarding system that is, how do I say it? It's negative. It's it's something that is needed but is harmful. Is that is that the right sense of what you're talking about? Well, it comes from, as you asked about the root of it, the root of it is a self-worth issue. So if you love yourself and you're comfortable with who you are, then you don't need any validation outside of yourself. So you can be kind and helpful and nice to people and do things that causes them to be pleased just because it feels good. And so that's a wonderful way to please people. But the phrase people pleaser really sums up this absolute addiction to praise, recognition, approval, a sense of your self-worth being completely dependent on other people's opinion of you. How does this negatively impact your health, this, this constantly seeking of validation? Well, it causes you to put yourself at the bottom of the priority list or not on the list at all. And that was certainly what my mum did. And that's what I was doing as well. So my mum would work night shift and as a nurse. So, you know, you, you already get a hint of what a people pleaser she was. We often end up in the caring industry. And um, she was a nurse. I was a physiotherapist. And she would work night shift, but then if anybody needed her help, she would stay up all day and help them as well and then go back and work on night shift. So night shift can be, any kind of shift work can be detrimental to your health anyway, let alone you not actually making it a priority for you, for you to catch up on your sleep. And when I look at the way people pleasing was bad for my health, it was the overthinking. So our whole nervous system responds to stress. It's very well documented and proven now that stress is a huge factor in most of the big common diseases that will in, in, you know, eventually take us to our demise. And if we can't be calm and peaceful and relaxed and in the moment and feel true joy, then always being in, the, in your head and rehashing and overthinking is really bad for your health. And one of the symptoms of a people pleaser is to rehash a situation and to worry about whether you offended someone or mm. what somebody thought, or if you're going to make a decision to completely second guess yourself because you're trying to make a decision that everyone's going to be happy with rather than just trusting what is the thing that's calling you and what will just bring you joy. Well, you just said so many things that apply to me. Um, and, you know, and I, I think maybe a lot of people know that they do this, but it, it's it's where do you start to 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 stop that behavior? Because it's inbred that if other people are happy because of something you've done, your self worth is tied to that. Is it a personality type that is more more prone to be a people pleaser, or is this just a learned behavior over years? That is such a great question. I believe that it's a combination because when I reflect on the conditioning I had, I'm one of five children 
and we're not all people pleasers. Um, mm. There's one of us who isn't, or two of us, two out of five who are not, and three out of five are. So there's got to be something um, that is brought through perhaps from the generations before you. And my dad was not a people pleaser at all. He knew who he was. He did what he wanted to do. Um, and he was loving and joyful um, and he cared about us and he de definitely did things that made us happy, but he put his own happiness as a priority. So I actually had two role models, a serial people pleaser and somebody who had a real sense of self. But I came out the people pleaser. Um, it was just really important to me. I remember from a very young age, as soon as I got a some sort of recognition for get doing well on a test, I was like, right, you know, I want more of that. And so I do think it's a combination of both. And in terms of how do we stop it, it really is about believing something else. Because once you recognize, oh, I'm worried about what other people think. You have to be really clear that people aren't thinking about you. People are thinking about themselves. And you have to understand that it's an impossible task to always make choices that everybody else is going to agree with. And not only is it impossible, but the very purpose, I believe, of us being here is to embrace our uniqueness and be who we are. And nobody else is the same as us. That's our superpower, that we are unique, that we are different. So trying to fit in, trying to be accepted by others is just an impossible task. And so if you can embrace yourself exactly as you are and to get to know who you are, what I find with people please is that, is that we've lost a sense of who we are because we're so busy trying to fit in and trying to be who we think someone else wants us to be. Well, maybe we've never had a sense of who we are. I, I think that can be the case. I think that for me, I learned pretty quickly all the things that made other people happy. And so I molded myself into that. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and after her working through this process of shifting from people pleaser to soul pleaser, which is the work that I do, she said she started to tell her husband's what she really thought about some things and he was completely shocked. He's like, <laughs> But we've always done that. Yeah, I've never really wanted to do it. I've done it to keep you happy. And so we can have a lot of people fooled around us when we're just pretending um, so that we keep the peace and we keep them happy. There's such an intricate meshing of all of this together because for people pleasers, your happiness is tied to other people's happiness. So there has to be that when you're when you're asking someone to change and come out of that, there has to be this movement away from that idea of happiness. And that must be a very difficult and painful space to get through. Well, I the first thing I would say is that if you are happy most of the time and you identify with being a people pleaser, there's nothing for you to do. So if it's working for you and it feels good, there's nothing to change. It's only when you're an emotional roller coaster. So what I find with people pleasers is that they're happy when they're getting the approval and things are going right. So this is not just this is not just other people outside of you. It's also that inner critic in your mind. 
So what we often do is take on being the taskmaster to ourselves and we think the expectations are coming outside of ourselves, but they're not. Nobody else has these expectations except part of us. And so it's almost a tug of war between two parts of you. You're trying to keep this demanding inner critic happy. And so there's no change to make unless you would like to feel better emotionally. And then you have to understand that you are the one that's in control of your emotions because when we are trying to keep other people happy, it's because when they're happy, we're happy. But that is conditional happiness. That is putting the responsibility on somebody else. So it's the double people pleasing. So you want someone else to be happy so that you can be happy. So therefore, you're actually expecting them to please you. You're expecting them to keep you happy by being happy. And that's not fair. We can't expect somebody else to be happy so that we can be happy. We need to learn that our emotions are caused by our thoughts. And so to change the way we feel, we have to start with changing the way that we think so that we think things that feel better. Is is there some part of, of this, some part of people who are like this, and I think I'm one myself, that doesn't like waves in situations that doesn't maybe know how to handle controversy or unhappiness. Can you, if you learn how to cope in those arenas, can that help you to cope with the people pleasing part of you? Absolutely. That's one of the, one of the very big symptoms of a people pleaser is that we avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. We would much rather keep the peace and that's why we've squashed our voice so we don't want to speak up um, because we want to keep the peace. And, you know, I think that we do all have different personalities. So I I would still, even now, and I really feel that I've let go of all of the people-pleasing behaviours that weren't serving me, but I still wouldn't speak up in a situation if there was no benefit to come from it. You know, I can quietly stand in a situation and think I don't agree with that person. But if there's nothing to be gained by sharing my opinion, I still don't because I don't see the point of it. Um, however, there have been times in the past where things haven't gone well for me because I haven't spoken up. And so it's important to be able to speak up when it's important even if the other person isn't going to necessarily agree with you. And it's just shifting that belief that we all need to agree for there to be peace. And that's not the case because we're all unique. We all have different perspectives and that's what makes the world go round. So we want to embrace that. But equally, we want to gra gradually gain the confidence to be able to speak our truth. And and sometimes it's not going to be in the middle of the conflict. It will be later coming back to that person when they're feeling, you know, better and you're feeling better to say, this is actually how I feel about it. And I'm not trying to persuade you. This is just how I feel about it. Yeah, I see situations where this could be like a your family. You have uh, four siblings and yourself, correct? Um, yes. And then I've, I have two siblings. And I've got my own kids and I can label each and every one of my kids. I can label my sisters. I can tell you who's a people pleaser and who isn't a people pleaser. And I have raised three out of four people pleasers. Um, and I think too, 
for me to to like get a grasp of how um how you might break free from this is the labels because is it true or not true i i see it in a social dynamic even outside of the family you become labeled she'll be the one that can do it she'll take over that responsibility she'll keep the family together she'll make sure everything is fine and then and then what do you do? Because you're the person, you're that person that people can go to, to talk to, because you'll make sure that the, you know, the, 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 the water is calm and you'll make sure that people are put together and all this stuff. Is that part of the problem too? This is very deep, this people pleasing thing. It is. It really is. Well, the interesting thing about that is what causes that. So the root cause of being that person, because I absolutely have been that person and so was my mum, everybody comes to me because they know that I will be compassionate, I'll listen and I'll help them and if something needs to be done, I'll roll up my sleeves and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing behind that is that I needed to be needed which was also attached to my self-worth. And when you let go of the need to be needed, where you can enjoy supporting people, but you understand that the best way to support somebody is to create independence within them. The last thing that we want to do to to support someone is make them dependent on us. And I realised that that's what I'd done with, with family members, with friends, with people in my businesses, they, they all relied really heavily on me. And one of the things that I needed to do to break free from my overwhelm was leave a particular business. And when I was telling my husband that I wanted to leave, he was saying, he's not a people pleaser. He was saying, just leave. And I'm like, I can't. And he's like, why not? And I said, because I'll let everybody down. And this is what we think. We think we're capable of letting other people down, but only can they let themselves down. If we all become responsible for ourselves, then we can enjoy supporting each other and we can enjoy receiving support without being dependent on it. So there's a lot of codependence within people pleasers and the people who latch on to the people pleasers. Very interesting. Um, We're going to take a quick break here, everybody. We'll come right back and continue this great conversation. We'll be back just in a couple of minutes. You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a terrific conversation here with Tracy Seacom. Tracy, so people-pleasing is, uh, is it inbred? Is it something that is genetic? Is it learned on social media? Where do we get these, these traits from? Well, I think it's all of those things. I think that we are observing so many different things to compare ourselves with that we're trying to mould ourselves into something that will get likes on social media, it'll get a following, it'll get approval from the people around us. And I think that it really depends on your makeup, your genetic makeup, whether you can be strong enough to rise above that or whether you can get caught up in that need to get approval from outside of yourself. Do you find that this is a predominantly 
female-based characteristic or is it widespread across males and females? I think that it is slightly more prevalent within women, but not much. I found a study um, that had been done through questions around some of the symptoms of people pleasing. And it was like, you know, for example, 65% and 70%, 65% of men and 70% of women. So not a huge difference, probably a smaller gap than I first imagined. When I first started teaching people about people pleasing, I was focused on women. Um, but to give you an idea, I'm currently working with about 90 women and about 35 men. So um, I do that in separate groups because they experience it differently. So it is it is across the board. That's very interesting. Now, when you make, uh, you know, the first steps, when you are working with people, um, do do they have to, or does it happen that you can actually lose relationships when you want to make this personality and behavioral change? Well, interestingly, not usually. So I can count on, well, actually probably two people have ended up leaving their relationships out of the work I've been doing for seven years. And that was because they were so insecure when they started the relationship that they were completely not themselves throughout the relationship. And so once they started to be themselves, they realised they weren't compatible with this other person. So it really depends on the other person. I think that if the other person is a good person, not that there's good and bad, but if the other person is not controlling in any way, um, and they met under really good circumstances. If we go into a relationship being very, very needy and in a very bad place at the time, we can often attract someone that's not necessarily a really good match to who we really are. And so um, in general, what happens, not only does the person who's doing the program or doing the work improve, but there is a flow on effect with the people in their home as well. So they see improvement in their spouse and in their uh, family members as well. That's very interesting. Let's flip over to the soul piece of this. Now we've got the people pleasers and you want them to be soul pleasers. Is there a definition of soul that you use when you're trying to get people to identify? Well, I think it's important for people to find their own definition of soul, but People can use lots of different words. Um, some people refer to the universe. Some people refer to the word God. But I think that it's important that you're comfortable with the word because a lot of people are uncomfortable with some of those words. Um, but it's like I think most people can relate to the idea of they've got a little devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other, and that can be the influence in their mind when they're making a decision, for example. The other way you can think of it is, are you coming from fear or are you coming from love? And to me, the soul is full love, pure love, unconditional love. And so if you can tap into that emotion or that energy, I believe that you're tapping into what I call the soul and you will be guided to what is best for you and everybody else when you're guided by the soul. So from people pleaser to soul pleaser really means you're either being influenced by fear or other people's fear, or you're being influenced by love or your soul. Is it self-love though? 
It is self-love because I believe that the soul, that love is our true essence. I think that there's two parts to us. There's the soul and love, and then there's the conditioned personality, which can have some fear injected into it. See, if people are lacking self-confidence, and this is, we talked about, or you mentioned about you tapping into other people's happiness to make you happy. So you work with them and it's back and forth and back and forth. Is there some groundbreaking that needs to be done to identify the soul? It just can't be a matter of of saying, well, it's it's the love part of you, because maybe that love piece is all convoluted. Well, I think that love has been defined to be lots of different things by us humans. You know, our personality wants to say that love is lots of different things. What I've come to understand is that love is acceptance. So we tend to love people conditionally. So we grow up being loved conditionally. And it's not that our parents don't love us all the time. It's that we interpret their mood to determine whether we feel loved in that moment. So when mum's mad at me, I think I'm getting the love cut off. You know, it doesn't feel like she loves me in that moment. You know, sometimes as parents, we say, I love you very much, but, Mm. (laughs) and in that moment, it's like, I'm not really feeling very loved right now. And of course, they feel like they still love you, but because their emotions are dependent on your behavior, then we can love ourselves the same way. So you feel good about yourself when you get something right. You feel good about yourself when things are going well. And then you feel bad about yourself when you make a mistake or you say something that you think might have offended somebody. And so there's just this love, idea of love can be um, possessive, it can be consuming, it can have expectations attached to it. But I find now when I feel really tapped into this vibration or energy of love that I just feel completely accepting. I love somebody no matter how they're behaving, because it's not who they are, it's just their behavior. And then how does that correspond to you not seeking to do whatever it takes to make them happy? It's an understanding of where their happiness comes from. What I realize Mm -hmm. if, let's talk about children, because I think this is the most common things place that it happens is as a parent, I have three children. And so when one of my children is unhappy, the old me wanted to fix that because, you know, many of us parents will say, all I want is my children to be happy. And of course we do. But ultimately, the human experience is a myriad of emotions and it's not all happiness all the time. And if we jump in and rescue them every time they're unhappy and try to make them happy, then they won't have any resilience in the outside world to be able to know that they can control their happiness. So we're actually doing them a disservice if we continually rescue them and try to be the person that changes their emotions. Oh, that's a whole other show that we could get into because I totally agree with that. Okay, so then someone's listening to the show and they've identified as a people pleaser, which I think a lot of us really do try and and we really are. Um, I know a lot of people pleasers. What are the first steps then? Where would you guide someone to, to go 
to try and go in the right direction with being a soul pleaser? Well, first of all, it's the identification. So it's just the awareness. And then what you can do is do a little bit of a stop take of the things that you spend your time doing. A lot of people continue to do things that they made a decision about a long time ago. And at the time, it felt like a good decision, but they may be starting to resent that thing that they're continuing to do. So sometimes people pleasers are burnt out because they're so busy keeping everybody else happy that they're exhausted and they don't make any time for themselves. So I think a really good first step is to be able to stop take your life, look at what you're doing and why you continue to do it and aim for the answer of because I love it, because I enjoy it. But if it's because you think you should, uh, there's nobody else to do it, Um, I'll let them down. You've got to really give them their power back and realize that they are responsible for that and that you're responsible for your own joy and start to make some shifts that you feel comfortable with. Don't push yourself to do something you're not ready for. Just start to with the small things and make some space for yourself so that you can do things that you love and start to discover what you love if you've lost sight of that. The book that you have it came out in July, right? July of last year. Yes. Um, and it's it's from people pleaser to soul pleaser, so very aptly titled. In your book, you've got subtitles, um, six steps to being who you are meant to be. Who are we meant to be? We are meant to be who we want to be, not who somebody else wants us to be or what we think somebody else wants us to be. And so that's why there's a whole book about it, because I think for people pleasers who haven't done this type of work before, that question would really have them stumped. Um, who do I want to be? And, and that's really what we want to explore. And it's as simple as noticing. And I remember when I started to do this work myself, I thought to myself, okay, what brings me joy? And one of the first things that I recognize brings me joy is when I'm sharing what I have learned through my own personal experience with someone and I see the light go on in someone's eye and I realize that the penny has dropped for them. And I was like, oh, I like doing that. I'm going to do more of that, which is how I've ended up doing what I'm doing now. But it may not be career oriented. It may be just as simple as a hobby. Um, You might love being by the ocean. You know, there might be, you might love being in the garden. All these things that perhaps you don't make a priority because you're attached to an outcome. I had a purpose before in everything I did, which was some sort of outcome. It was going to result in something. And now I do things for the joy of it. I do it because it feels good. Nothing else. That's very interesting. I think a lot of us are programmed for outcome. I, I it's 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 how it's how society runs. So yeah. how long does this process you, you know, is it a fast one? Like once you kind of get the hang of it, you're there? Or is this, you know, you're undoing and redoing and uh, reworking mind concepts that have maybe been inbred for years. How long does it take to really make significant changes? 
I think it's an ongoing process. Mm. I think, it, and, and it will depend how old you, you are. I must say that I've worked with a few 20-year-olds and they change quickly, um, but I'm 53. And when I work with people, you know, mid-40s and above, which is generally um, the age that I work with, um, it can take a long time. And the thing is that what happens is that you gradually are happier and happier for no reason. Um, and then you can catch yourself feeling like, oh, I'm being my old self again, but you're aware of it and you know what to do about it. Uh, so I think that growth and evolution is what we're here for and it's a lifelong process. So I think that I can still catch myself definitely wanting to fix it when my pe- when my children aren't happy um, and I just notice it and then I back off once I realize I'm doing it. See, it's a very interesting thing because you could really justify going both ways, right? And then it's these, it's, it seems to me it's the questions, not so much the answers even, it's the asking yourself the right questions. Um, you know, what's wrong with me doing that? Or is it selfish of me not to want to take care of my kids? Am I feeding my ego versus my soul if I start thinking about myself? Are these things that you contend with when you're working with your clients? Absolutely. And they're questions that I had as well. And what I've observed with my own family is that they love the new me. The the old me was stressed. You know, yes, I was running around like a crazy woman doing everything that they needed, but I was stressed. And so having a relaxed, happy mother is one of the best gifts that you can give your children. It's the best gift you can give your spouse, your friends. And so to do that, it means that my priority is to get up in the morning. And and when you've got young children, it'll mean getting up earlier than them to meditate, to go for a walk along the beach, to do the things that make me feel really great. And then they get this great feeling mum. And it's harder for them to knock me off that emotional perch because I've done that work of feeling good before I start my day. Whereas if I went back to the way I was before, I would open my eyes, pick up my phone and start answering questions from my clients. I was available to people from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to sleep. And so I was stressed. And that energy is what comes across to your family and your loved ones. Fair enough. I mean, it is it is a, a a total shift for some people, and and it would, you know, I, I guess it never is 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 done. Like you said, it's something that you continually work on because I think you know we do want to make people happy. It's just where the line is that we cross where it's detrimental to ourselves. Um, how is your book doing? Um, great. I'm I'm just delighted with the feedback. Um, it's been amazing. The purpose of the book for me was after teaching people this program over the last seven years and seeing these incredible results, I just wanted to be able to have a greater reach. Um, and so having strangers reach out to me and say that it's helped them. Um, so exactly what we're talking about here, of course, we love being able to help people just feels amazing. I just feel really grateful for that opportunity. And and I, just going back to you saying we want to we want to please people, the best way to please another person is to be happy yourself because that's infectious. Mm-hmm. That's that energy, right? It's, it's, you mentioned the word energy and 
There is a vibration. Uh, certain people bring very positive vibrations into room, and you can feel the soul suckers when they walk into the room as well. Um, where can we find your book? Um, it's available on Amazon. On Amazon. Terrific. Well, this has really been a very educational conversation for me. It's, it's you know, I think, you know, some when you're dealing with stuff like this, it really does make you sit back and go, hmm, maybe there are changes to be made here. So I really do appreciate you, especially with this huge time difference that we're on, coming to the show and sharing with us your great success in helping people. Thank you so much for having me, Kathy. It was a great conversation. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.